0: Welcome. You've joined the Topless Travel Show with Carol and David, bringing you to some of the sexiest and most erotic events and vacation places around the world. Our show is here to help you open your mind, explore your options, and push your boundaries so you too can achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Topless Travel Show, and we're your hosts, Carol and David.
1: hi everyone welcome to the topless travel show which brings the travel culture to sexy open-minded couples so you can explore the possibilities and i mean all types of possibilities while on vacation
0: whether you travel to relax or party hard to get in touch with yourself or your couple to build relationships or make new friends or simply hang with compatible genuine people in a non-judgmental location. We've got the stories to get you fantasizing about starting your next adventure right now. The Topless Travel Show is all about pushing boundaries. And as usual, we'll be talking about sex, sexuality, sexual health and relationships, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny.
1: So, are you aware of the pleasure gap between men and women? Wondering why men have orgasms almost every time they have sex, and yet women don't. Ladies, if you're
0: not experiencing mind-blowing, body-rippling, can't help screaming out loud orgasms, then you need to listen to this episode and take notes.
1: Exactly. Alrighty. Um, but first, as we do on every show, let me tell you about our top waterproof blanket because nobody wants to sleep in the wet spot and squirt is hot until it's not even if you're not a squirter and you're fed up with sleeping in that wet spot or having to change your sheets every time you have sex then you need one of our top waterproof blankets it's 100 waterproof and leak proof and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets
0: it protects against messy massage oils silicone lubes and all other sexy wetness and when you're done you just throw it in the washer and dryer and it comes out looking like brand new and remember great sex is messy sex. So to keep your bed dry, simply go to Amazon and search for Top Waterproof Blanket, that's T-O-P, Waterproof Blanket, and order yours today. Great sex starts now.
1: Alrighty, this is the Topless Travel Show. We are Carol and David, and we're so excited to welcome today's special guest.
0: We have Dr. Lori Bintz, who's a professor of human sexuality at University of Florida and author of the book, Becoming Cliterate*.
1: Dr. Lori, thank you so much for taking time out of your day, and welcome to the Topless Travel Show.
2: I am delighted to be here.
0: No, we're so happy to have you. And, you know, we've spent a lot of time reading your book in the last week. And we're so excited to discuss it. But before we get started on your book, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into this field of female sexuality?
2: Absolutely. Well, I started out as a licensed psychologist and a professor at the University of Southern California and subsequently University of Missouri, And throughout my practice, I noticed that I would always ask my clients about their sex life, and it was something my clients never brought up, but every time I asked them anything about your sex life, you want to talk about anything concerning and let them know that this was a comfortable topic, all of my women clients had something to say, And also, um, and I talk about this in my first book, A Tired Woman's Guide to Passionate Sex, after the birth of my own two children, my unusually before then high sex drive just sort of disappeared. And so the combination of that and working to reclaim it and talking to my clients about sex and teaching them about sex, I realized we really, really needed Um, more voices in the field, more people working with women around sexuality. So I just began the journey there and since then I've been teaching Psych of Human Sexuality at University of Florida and I've written two books, um, all both aimed with empowering women sexually.
0: Wow, that is an amazing story and of course it comes firsthand you uh, recouping your own sexuality before writing your book which is very cool. Uh, and one of the main points in your book is you talk about the pleasure gap. Why don't I let you explain what your concept is of the pleasure gap?
2: Absolutely, and and the story I told about losing and regaining my own sex drive was in my first book, but what you're talking about is my most recent book, Becoming Clitorate, and the pleasure gap is something I discovered um, when teaching human sexuality to undergrads. Um, in the academic literature, and then it really came to life when I was speaking to my students. And it's the very clear, robust finding in the research literature, um, also, you know, when you talk to women um, in their own life, that women are having substantially fewer orgasms than men. And this occurs in all types of sex, but particularly casual sex. Um, for example, in one study, 93% of men versus 39% of women said they had an orgasm at their last sexual encounter. And again, it, it, it goes from biggest to smallest um first-time casual sex, repeat casual sex, friends with benefits, relationships, but it never, ever closes altogether. Men are still having way more orgasms than women are, and that's the pleasure gap or the orgasm gap, whichever you want to say. It's still the same finding.
0: And that's really why you wrote your book uh, about becoming clitorate, is to learn all about, for women to learn about their clitoris, which is really the... The main source of orgasms for women
1: pleasure, right? Yes,
2: absolutely. I wrote the book to expose the pleasure gap, to talk about why we have it, what's wrong with our culture, basically, and how we can close it, both as a culture and, most important, in individual bedrooms.
0: And you use the the term becoming clitorate, which, of course, is a play on words. Explain what that term means.
2: Yes, well, obviously it is a play on words um, in terms of clitorate or literate, Um, although I really want to uh, credit Ian Kerner for the term. He let me use it, but he first spoke of it in his book, She Comes First, with A Thinking Man's Guide to Pleasuring a Woman, which is basically an oral sex how-to manual, but basically it means learning all about what pleasures a woman. Um, And for most women, um, that includes the clitoris, like 98%. Um, And so it's about becoming well-versed in the clitoris and talking about it and pleasuring it and understanding it and using it to enhance sexuality for women and their partners.
0: Now, I can remember within a few years, like I can count the number of years on my hand when I first learned the real size and shape and purpose of the clitoris. And I still am in shock that that was the first time in my life at 52 years old when I learned about it, that that was the first time I learned about what the the clitoris really is all about. And I can't believe that that was like held back in, in educational institutes for that long.
2: Absolutely. I mean we never even mention the term in our sex ed classes. It's like we act as if the clitoris doesn't exist. There's more nicknames for the word penis than almost any other in the human dictionary. Very few for clitoris. People are uncomfortable saying the term and most people don't even really know like you till what it is, where it is, that it's a huge internal and external organ. And how
1: it works and Laurie do you think that the issue here is related to people not being able to communicate what they want sexually and just take it for granted that sex is about putting a cock into a pussy and fucking and him coming and if she does great and we know that 20% of women um, don't come uh, I mean, twenty percent of women only come through um, intercourse, and eighty percent have to come with a clitoral, clitoral stimulation. But most guys—do they really care? They just want to get off. Isn't that what society tells them?
2: Well, I, I actually, I, I, I agree with some points, and I disagree with others. That I think that um, the pleasure gap is due to societal fear and misunderstanding. Um, about women's pleasure, but I also think it really runs deeper. It's an overvaluing of male sexual pleasure, and I'm not blaming men. I actually believe they have been just also harmed by this. But if you think about it, all of the images, not all but most, that we see in mainstream movies and in porn, and I'm not anti-porn at all, but we see the man put his penis in the woman's vagina without hardly any warm-up and she's having an instant orgasm (laughs) Um, we use the word sex yeah i mean it's just in in real life that would hurt Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um it wouldn't cause pleasure (laughs) we use the word sex and intercourse as if they're one and the same we label everything that comes before foreplay you know we have these this sort of ingrained script foreplay just to get her ready for intercourse intercourse male comes female fake orgasm often sex over and I think the problem is that we don't have education to tell people differently. And so many women walk around thinking they're broken and don't say anything. And many men, like, are, they're working so hard to last long and thrust hard to give a woman a mind-blowing orga, orga, orgasm, and they're not having as much fun. And this whole cultural lie harms both women and men when they have sex together
0: because the truth is and I'll let you end that sentence
2: the reality (laughs) is that women yeah go ahead the reality is that women need clitoral stimulation to have an orgasm either alone or coupled with penetration as you said only about 18 to 20 percent of women say they can orgasm from intercourse alone and in research I've conducted myself if you ask the question differently You simply say, "What's your most reliable route to orgasm?" Only four percent say penetration alone. And further proof. This is something I just love to point out. When women masturbate, when they pleasure themselves, ninety-nine percent stimulate their external, their their vulva, their clitoris, their external organs. Sometimes alone, sometimes coupled with penetration. Women know how to get themselves off when they're alone, yet when they're with male partners, they think they should get off a different way and um so that's the bottom line,
0: yeah, exactly, and some people don't even know that there are different ways to to orgasm, so they they try one that's the only way that works for them, and they stick with it and which which is fine, but it might not play out during coupled sex. And that might not work when you're with a partner that doesn't quite know your tricks that you've learned yourself. Well, you need to tell them, right? Yeah, but not everybody wants to talk about sex. That's one of the main issues here as well.
2: Exactly, which is why in both of my books, I have an entire chapter on how to communicate sexually. Because you can't, I mean, and even research is so interesting. If you teach women about their clitoris, they start to have orgasms during masturbation. But not with a partner. I mean, you have to bridge the gap and tell your partner, show your partner, take matters into your own hands in front of your partner and show them what you need.
0: So when you talk about that number one lie that women are told about getting laid, what exactly is that?
2: I talk about the number one lie women are getting laid, talk about about getting laid is that they should orgasm from intercourse. And they I mean, don't, it's all and, around us once you yeah go ahead and,
0: and they don't know that that's not Wait. really true
2: no I have talked to so many women especially young women who are starting their sexual journeys but even many older women who just simply see the images Hear the word sex and intercourse and foreplay. It's all around us, and um, they feel broken. Even magazine articles, this just really gets me. You see these magazine articles for the best sex positions for her orgasm, and they're all on intercourse positions, and none of them sometimes don't even mention the clitoris at all. Once you see this lie, it is so all around you, and you cannot, you, you'll see it all, everywhere.
0: So you're giving everybody the aha moment when they realize, wow, I'm not really broken. I'm not really expected to have an orgasm during sex because my body is not built that way.
2: Exactly. Absolutely. And in fact, for many women, it's really a biological impossibility. And there's all kinds of, you know, details I can get in on that. um, Tell you about one really interesting fact that I discovered when writing my book is that The farther the distance from the clitoral glands and your vaginal opening, the less likely you are to have an orgasm during intercourse um, because the stimulation is just too far away from where it should be. And even intercourse positions that um, bring a woman to orgasm, much of that is due to um getting the clitoris stimulated by the penis or um you know by rubbing against something but but again I don't want to say that like it's a goal to strive for because that's how we set things up like oh that's the best way it's like this orgasm hierarchy that we have for women and I want to just dump that all together and whatever way you orgasm best whether it's alone I've talked to some women who say I can't orgasm with the penis inside my vagina. It's too distracting. I need straight-up clitoral stimulation, oral sex, vibrator manual. However you orgasm is fine, and we need to stop shooting on women's orgasms.
1: Yeah, and you know, I'm just going to back up a little bit because we've mentioned it on our shows many times with the um, amazing guests and doctors and sex experts that we've had on, but why don't you, Lori, just for a second talk about the size of the clit, because the majority of the population out there thinks it's just a little button.
2: Exactly. So the the clitoris is, um, many parts of it are analogous to the male penis. It started out the same, although side note, what I also like to talk about is that the inner lips um, which aren't part of the clitoris, are also made of the same tissues ahead of the penis and are very reactive. but the clitoris is made up of distinct parts, the majority of which is internal there are the there's the clitoral glands, which is that little button we hear about then there's this hood that covers it which is, and I have illustrations of all this in my book, but that's made of the same tissue as the inner lips. It kind of connects there, and it's, this, it's just analogous to the male uh, foreskin. Um, and then there's... Um, the, the, the um, clitoral bulbs, which surround the vagina, there's the clitoral legs and shaft. You can actually feel the shaft through your mom's pubis, which is sort of that mound of fatty tissue above um, your vulva, which is the external genitals. But the really interesting thing is that entire clitoris is made of erectile tissue, it gets up to 500 times bigger when aroused.
0: And what size would just it be? Just like the male penis. And what size would that be when it's fully aroused?
2: Well, I don't. Everybody's is different. It's just it's sort of like a penis. It starts one size and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But it's 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 a very complex external and internal organ. Um, And in fact, some people say we should stop calling like women's organs, organs, different parts, vagina, vulva, clitoris. We should call the whole thing a clitoris because it's everywhere. It's pretty much everywhere, um, um, internal and external in women's genitals. But,
0: But just to give somebody an idea, this whole organ is not one inch long when it's fully erect. It's much bigger than that.
2: Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And it could could be as big as
0: four or five inches, possibly. Or
2: six. Or six. Okay. Absolutely. And it gets, yes.
0: Wow.
1: Now, one of the things we've learned, and I guess we're lucky because being swingers, we get to go to beautiful places like Hedonism or the cruises where um, there are sex educators that do workshops or play shops where people actually can get naked, and the educators, they don't touch the people but they get the couples together and say do this and try this and touch that and one of the the things we learned uh, probably five or six years ago in one of the play shops was how much time a man or another woman needs to take um, on the person that you want to pleasure to get the clitoris and the whole area aroused and get the blood down there and you need to massage everything and and get it warmed up and use some good lube and some oils to get the whole area flush with blood and then you can start having sex so like you said um you know porn is great for entertainment and for you know bringing up some fantasies but just sticking a cock into a pussy without taking the time to get her ready um is just wrong
2: Absolutely here's some I, I want to really underscore what you say and um, and that and also offer a little bit different perspective at the same time that it's really interesting when women and men pleasure themselves, they take about the same exact amount of time to, to orgasm somewhere between four and six minutes. Um, The time that it takes for a man between putting his penis in a, a vagina to orgasm is average, and there's variation, five to six minutes. The average woman, there is no average. It can take anywhere from like five to 45 minutes to be aroused enough to have intercourse. And you really do need to use lube, to to use your hand, to use a vibrator. And if a woman has a penis in her vagina before she's sufficiently aroused, and by that I mean lubricated in the cervix, pulls up and back, your vagina becomes like a wet tent, although added lubricant is usually a must for many women, it's going to hurt. It's not going to be pleasurable. And that's the source of so much pain is that, that um, often women take, you know, 20 to 40 minutes um, of fooling around before having intercourse. And there was a study that showed the average amount of time that most heterosexual couples spend on that is five minutes. Mm -hmm. No wonder women aren't having orgasms.
0: Yeah, it's not that they're not just having orgasms. A lot of women are not even enjoying and finding it pleasurable because really it's the stimulation of the clitoris that's the most pleasure. And certainly if the vagina is not ready for intercourse, Like
1: you said earlier, there
0: could be a lot of pain involved.
1: That's why we have Costco-sized coconut oil.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But yes, and 30% of women say they had pain at their last instance of penetrative sex. Wow. And most don't even tell their partners. They just bear it because they think something's wrong with them. Like, what's wrong with me? This hurts. Instead of giving me this wild screaming orgasm like I see in the movies.
1: (laughs) This is The Sexy Lifestyle, we are Carol and David, and we're having a great discussion with Dr. Lori Mintz, all about being cliterate. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back after this quick message from Topless Travel. Topless Travel offers the sexiest and most erotic vacation experiences, from Hedonism to in Jamaica, Desire in Cancun, and all the Bliss Cruises adventures, topless travel needs to be your number one choice.
0: Yeah, and all their trips are about pushing boundaries and exploring your naughty side. And their exclusive sexy host couples like Jessica and Justin and Party Mark are always there to ensure that you have one hell of a sexy vacation.
1: Exactly. And you know you'll find us on many of the topless Travel's trips and we'll be back at Hedonism 2 for their swinging for Newbies event April 6th to 14th, 2024. And we want to remind you about Topless Travel's bucket list trip where we will be exploring the ancient Egypt's... And we want to remind you about Topless Travel's bucket list trip where we will be exploring the ancient pyramids of Egypt followed by a seven-day riverboat cruise down the Nile from March 2nd to 13th, 2024. This is a once-in-a-lifetime adventure experiencing history with lots of sexy fun, open-minded friends.
0: Book now before it's too late for more information about all their trips, visit toplesstravel.com and book the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever. And as a quick reminder, if you're looking for an open-minded online community to find compatible people and events in your area, simply go to sdc.com and use promo code 30314 for your first month free. That's sdc.com and promo code three zero.
1: All right, we are Carol and David, and it's now back, time to get back to our program with Dr. Lori Mintz. She's the author of Becoming Clitorate, Why Orgasm Equality Matters and How to Get It. And we've been having a great discussion all about the clit and orgasms. And now we're going to get into a little bit how we close that pleasure gap.
0: So Lori, why don't you tell us a little bit about how gender inequality contributes to the ple- pleasure gap? That's one of your concepts in the book.
2: Yes, it, my concept is that gender equality is re- it, it's responsible for the pleasure gap. The pleasure gap is a an outward manifestation of the fact that in our culture we privilege. And I'm again, I'm not blaming men. I think they're harmed by this very much, but we center everything around intercourse, which is our language, our the way we do sex generally. And that's the most reliable way for most men to orgasm, but not most women. So the pleasure gap is a direct outcome of privileging male sexuality, of gender inequality. And again, men suffer from this as well. I'm not blaming individual men. It's our culture that's broken.
0: And of course, we talked earlier about the foreplay that we need to get ready to have um, intercourse um, but a lot of times that's not even considered an important part of the sexual journey when you're starting off getting your, your uh, arousal started. And so just talk a little bit about how important that is and why it should not be considered the foreplay if that's what one way of getting women to have their orgasms. You're
1: talking like going down on a woman and eating out her pussy isn't considered sex, important. it's, well, yeah, it's exactly. really just foreplay, yeah, exactly. which is wrong
2: right exactly and in fact that's why i really i'm really careful when i talk not even to you not to use the word sex and intercourse as if they're one and the same because that implies that that's the only important act and foreplay is just the lead up when in fact for many about half only about as i say 4% of women orgasm from most reliably from intercourse alone and about 20% aren't orgasming at all, um, and about 34% say their most reliable route is, um, is is clitoral stimulation alone, and the other 43, clitoral stimulation plus penetration. So, how do we do this? Um, sometimes we take turns, right? You know, let me go down on you until you orgasm, or use the vibrator on you and go down on you till you orgasm then we'll have intercourse where he orgasms, or there's many different ways. That's just one example. But if we relegate foreplay as just something we do to warm a woman up, then what we're doing is, like, it's not important, even though it's women's, we're, we're, we're dismissing women's most reliable route to orgasm.
0: And especially since you just told us that most average people spend five minutes on foreplay before they start intercourse, then, if you're not even getting warmed up, and how how could she possibly be getting warmed up, getting aroused, ar- ar- arranging her, getting her body all ready for foreplay, and sorry for sex, and then have her orgasm all in that same five minutes?
2: Exactly. Well said. Exactly. It's an impossibility, mm-hmm. and see, it's not going to be pleasurable. You see, how you you're like again, women. Any some. Oh, go ahead, no, please.
0: No, you you finish your thought.
2: Thank you. I mean, and and i'm not also I'm not trying to turn the tables and say if you do orgasm during intercourse, there's something wrong. Um, you know, like we said, about twenty percent of women do, but it's 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 during intercourse after being really aroused, and usually the clitoris is also getting stimulated. but we really just need to get rid of this idea that that's the most important, best ideal way to orgasm and start considering oral sex, vibrators, the whole thing is sex. And it's all equally important.
1: And, you know, we practice that all the time. And um, Carol and I have this issue where I love long, slow, passionate, romantic, take my time, lick her pussy, massage her body. And sometimes she's like, all right, I'm ready to go, let's fuck right now. And um, it's, you know, we, we have the inequality Issues where she has a bit more man in her than I do.
0: <laughs> well, one of the things is I do actually like penetration and the, especially the way that David. Um, I guess does me hard, if you want to call it that, because he really pounds my clitoris. And I like that. That starts me getting my clitoris all uh, hot and horny and ready
1: to go. But you also like when I put three and four fingers inside and lick your clit at the same time.
0: Exactly. So I know what I like. So when I'm ready, um, when I know when I'm ready for him to penetrate me and start pounding me hard, I know that that's what I want. And then, then he pulls out and then he goes down on me. And for me, that's what
1: works best. A little bit of edging there.
0: That's okay. That's what works best for it me. It does. But David knows that, and so we have a, you know, we have a great communication, and we have a great sex life. And of course, um, I'm going to say probably 80 percent of the time I orgasm every time we have sexual activity. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it doesn't happen, but that's not
1: always the end goal. We're no, but sometimes it. we're fucking, and um, we I come and then I'll go down and lick your clit, you'll come, and then you'll take out a toy, we love our womanizer, and you'll have three or four more orgasms. Sure,
0: so it just kind of depends where the mood's going at and when the time strikes.
2: And I really appreciate what you just said, and that is you know what works for you, and that's what you do. And you just described a really cool sexual routine, and I'm sure you vary it up, as you say, but... That works for you and that's really the key what figuring out what works for you and doing it getting the type of stimulation that you need um, but that's the problem that so many women are they know what they do when they're alone but they just forfeit the stimulation they need when with a male partner and um, and and also, I think he said something really important, You need, neither of you have to orgasm every time. While I wrote the book, Becoming Clitorate, and talking about orgasm equality, the message isn't that both people have to orgasm every time. I mean, the pressure to have an orgasm can be really harmful to having an orgasm. So I had to be really careful in writing the book that, yes... You know, I want to close the orgasm gap, but I'm not trying to put pressure on people to orgasm each time they have a sexual encounter.
0: Right, exactly. And your book is so easy to read. I just want to tell you, congratulations on making something so easy and so comfortable. I really felt like you were in the room talking to me. And I'm sure because you're a professor and you're very used to talking to your students that way, that I really enjoyed um, your style. Uh, And I know you had some great tips that you recommended for women to make themselves orgasm. Yeah, you know, especially if they've never had an orgasm before. Do you want to just run through some of your tips that you, you, you cover in your book?
2: Yes. Sure, and thanks for the compliment on the writing style. That means a lot. I really did want to make it fun and accessible and funny, so thank you. Um, I think it's really important not just to have good sex, but be a little joke about it, laugh about it, <laughs> talk yeah. about it. So I really appreciate that. So, if you know, let's start with a woman who has never had an orgasm. Um, the first tip is, you know, reading your mind, you know, really saying to yourself, um, getting rid of any sexual shame you have. Um, yeah, um, I just went to a comedy show where someone was like showing herself giving birth to a shame baby. Just get rid of all the <laughs> sexual shame, Tell you know, it was such a good act. Um, tell yourself that it's um, that you deserve sexual pleasure, you know, that kind of thing. Talk to yourself, you know, figure out what's what's holding you back and talk yourself out of it. Also, you really need to practice putting your mind and body in the same place or what's called mindfulness. We can come back to that. So turning off your thinking brain, practice it in your daily life and then apply it to the bedroom because you can't have an orgasm while you're self-monitoring. Ooh, am I going to come? Am I going to come? Do I smell bad? Is he having fun? So that's the preliminary step. Ready your mind and then masturbate, masturbate, masturbate. Take time. Take time to pleasure yourself with lubricants, your hands, a vibrator. Figure out what works for your body. And sometimes it takes quite a while to figure it out, but You know, just enjoy it. Some people like to relax first, a glass of wine, a bubble bath. Other people want to key themselves up, watch, go for a run, go to a yoga class, you know, uh, watch a movie, watch erotica, but bring yourself to orgasm. Then the next step is to tell and show your partner. This is what I need. You can do it with a conversation. You can do it with him watching you pleasure yourself. You can take his hand or and show him however that works. And then together, change your sexual routine. Stop the foreplay just for a little intercourse, male ejaculation, sex over. Create a routine that works for you, whether it's a turn-taking model or you cut your own clit during intercourse Or you use a couple vibrator where, you know, you can, uh, there's these cock rings with these attached clitoral vibrators, but, you know, change the script. So those are, that's in a nutshell, um, the kind of tips that I give women um, on their journey to orgasm alone and with partners.
1: And Lori, just before we get into this mindfulness and brain traffic, I want you just to take a few minutes and talk to those people out there who believe they need to fake an orgasm?
2: Uh, yes, thank you for giving me that opportunity. Here's my favorite quote about it, and it's from Lonnie Barback's book, For Yourself. By faking orgasm, you are teaching your partner to do exactly what doesn't work for you. I I mean, I just can't say that enough. I, I gave a workshop once where a woman said she'd been faking for 30 years, um, and we you know we talked about well, how are you gonna stop that? and I can certainly talk about that um for listeners as well, but the bottom line is most women fake for one of two a couple reasons: one, they feel abnormal, you're and that's why they fake during intercourse. I hope we've already convinced people they're not two, they want to make their partner feel good, help his ego, which again, they're helping his ego because he thinks he should be giving an orgasm through the pounding. Um, or they want sex to end, and they probably want it to end because it's uncomfortable because they haven't been aroused enough. So um, if you're faking, you're going to be stuck doing something that doesn't work for you. Stop faking. It's hard. It's hard because the whole culture is kind of pushing you that way, but once you stop faking, you can actually get what you need and have fantastic orgasms.
0: Well, I think that was a very good explanation why people fake. I can tell you from personal experience in my very first marriage, which lasted 16 years of faking orgasms. I I honestly could probably tell you I had real orgasms maybe five times in those 16 years. And I'm sure that was just a fluke. It just happened. Uh, So yes, all those reasons that you stated were reasons that I was faking orgasms for so many years. When I met David, my very first pledge was, I am never going to fake an orgasm again. I'm going to make sure that I learn how to orgasm and teach David right from day one. We, were, we made a pledge of honesty and openness as we got together. And um, I had a hard time at first trying to figure out f- transitioning from my masturbation orgasm to teaching David how to do it um but i did figure it out and in fact i have put my head right in that space and uh showed david or told him i'm not really sure was it verbal or I took his hand yeah. or I told him what oh that feels good. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That feels good. Okay, there we are. That's the way it is. And I use those kind of words without him feeling bad that he didn't know. Of no, course I there's no learning. there's no way for him to know. And from that day forward I've never, ever, ever, ever faked an orgasm again. And that's and, and, fifteen and, years. And, and later. you became a squirter. Oh, and you're yeah. a huge squirter now know, too. Exactly. <laughs> So a whole lot of sexual pleasure came into my life when I met
1: David. And one of the things, Laurie, that was Good
2: for you. I'm
1: Yes, please. Go ahead, Good Lori.
2: for you, really. Thank you. No, I just I, like that is such an inspirational story that, you know, for the people who are listening who have been thinking for a long time that you don't need to do that. And honesty and show and tell and communication is where it's at. So I'm just really inspired by your story, and I think it's great.
1: It is, and one of the things that we talk about all the time being swingers is swinging is all about sex, okay? Nobody's falling in love, nobody's looking to find another partner to remarry or, or, or do something um, in the emotional spectrum. Swinging is about sex, and as a guy, you know, the way I go down on Carol or the way I fuck Carol is probably different than the way another woman likes it so when we're in a swinging situation and our favorites are foursomes and morsums, our listeners know that we talk about it all the time um the first thing i say is you know what do you like you know do you like my tongue here do you like my fingers there do you like it hard or soft And most women who are in the lifestyle, who are swingers, they know exactly what they want, can communicate it, and they have a great experience. It's the same when a girl or a woman is giving a blowjob or sucking a cock. The guy needs to tell her what's good, faster, slower, harder, and it's about having good sexual pleasure.
0: And that's kind of equivalent to those hookup, um, I guess, stats that you show where only 4% of women actually have an orgasm during hookup sex. Because swinging is like that. You meet the person for the first time. You might, n- the other couple, I should say, that you're playing with, you might never see them again. You have your sexual encounter
1: and you want it to be a good experience. But, but, but with, Sorry, but with hookup sex, people probably don't know how to communicate as right. well as swingers do. And, that's and they just take it and it's, okay, we're going to have sex, whether it's good or not, it's sex.
0: Right, and that's why only 4% of women, according to your stats, right, Laurie?
2: Yes, exactly. I mean, it's it's similar and it's different. It's exactly what you're saying. You're talking about um, having hookup sex with someone who knows her body, who is willing to communicate. A lot of young people are having hookup sex. They don't want to talk about it. They can't communicate, or these young women still think, that they should buy, they should be orgasming from intercourse, and so that's the problem. That that's why there's such dire amount, few female orgasms during hookup sex.
0: Well, I hope everybody out there wants to buy this book, becoming clitorate, and pass it around to every young woman that you know, or every every woman you know, and make sure she's fully literate and clitorate about her clitoris. <laughs> so it's very important that we all learn this. <coughs> Uh, And, you know, you did touch on being mindful and getting into your body, going from your brain and down into your body. But talk to people about why that's so important during sex
2: oh absolutely i and as i say in the book mindfulness is sex's best friend mindfulness and communication but mindfulness like i mean we all have experienced this right you're talking to a friend and all of a sudden you realize her mouth is moving and you have not heard a word she said because you're thinking about something else um it happens to all of us that we we kind of don't we aren't in our bodies. And I love it I love the description of your mind and your body in the same place. A lot of times we're not. Interestingly, yoga helps teach that, which is why a lot of um, people who do yoga have better sex lives. It teaches you to have shut down that chattering mind. And brain the latest brain research shows that right before orgasm, parts of your conscious brain, turn off those thinking self-monitoring parts and that's what mindfulness does too it's the same thing And so mindfulness is not just never having your mind wander, though. It's being able to notice when it does and bring it back, bring your mind back to your body, bring your mind and your body together. And you can practice it in yoga. You can practice it with meditation. You can practice it in your daily life, brushing your teeth, really feel the suds, you know, the toothpaste in your mouth And try to just focus on those sensations, and when your mind wanders, bring it back. And that is related to sexual satisfaction. You can see how it works, right? Your your partner's going down on you, and you're thinking, you're enjoying it one moment, and then you're thinking, "Ooh, I wonder if I smell," you know. And then most people spin out from there and don't bring, don't focus back to the sensations. So. That I mean, research is really clear. Mindfulness enhances sexual pleasure. It also enhances, decreases depression, anxiety. I mean, it's a really great tool, and it's pretty easy to find ways to learn it in your daily life. You don't have to meditate 45 minutes a day to do it. You can practice it in in your life in general and then bring it into the bedroom
1: so so laurie you know we've spoken about balance in life probably a gazillion times on our show and in theory what you're saying is great and i'm sure our listeners out there are going wow i love this but in reality people are also saying i am so busy in life with my family with my kids with my work with um me with everything that's going on and then we're we're bombarded with social media and electronics where people want you know immediate responses how do people simply find time to either self-pleasure put time aside to get all that craziness out of their head and spend some quality time with their partner having great sex. And, you know, it, it sounds so simple. Okay, we need to carve this out and, and make the time in our day. But in reality, people are, are busier and busier and busier. So, you know, what's one little thing they can do to get into this mindfulness space where they can have great sex hopefully once or twice a week?
2: Absolutely, and it's that's sort of interesting because that's the entire topic of my first book, A Tired Woman's Guide to Passionate Sex, because I hear that so much i'm I, I I want a good sex life, but I'm too busy. I have too much to do and to you know there's it, it is hard I mean it is really hard, and there's a lot of techniques um that I could give you, but the one that I recommend the most for couples in that situation is to actually start by or continue of finding how, sit down, have a conversation. How many times a week ideally do you want to have sex? Is it once a week? Is it twice a week? Is it once every two weeks? Um, Interestingly, research shows that the sweet spot for most couples is once a week. Um, But again, there's variation there. And then you know what? Put it in your calendar. And that and that's, I don't like to, people go, ooh, scheduled sex, but I like to call it a tryst. It's much more romantic, which is a planned meeting of lovers. And think about one you're once you are, you know, you have a job and maybe aging parents and kids and bills to pay and social media. I mean, do you go to the gym? Do you meet up with a friend for lunch without um, planning it? No. so carve out the time and what happens then is it takes that tension away of are we going to do it now she wants to I don't vice versa and then you know for example that that's going to be your time and you can spend the day thinking about it getting your mind ready clearing off the space for it um, and it's usually it's it's a really effective um, strategy I often joke that um, I'm Jewish, and I often joke that when my kids were little that the only reason I sent them to Sunday school was so I could have a regular time <laughs> to have a sexual encounter with my husband. Love
0: it. That makes sense. And one of the things that you didn't say, uh, Ben, I just want to add in is, of course, you talked about prioritizing sex and sexual pleasure as something so important in your life, and not many women actually allow themselves this pleasure. So give yourself permission to stop what you're doing and enjoy sexual pleasure. I just wanted to point that out.
2: I agree with you 100%. You deserve pleasure. It's an important part of your life. And, you know, put your, I also want to add, I talk to a lot of women who say my priority is my relationship and I then say, okay, that's great. Track what, track your time for a week and they'll come back with like, wow, I say this is what's most important to me and it's the thing I spent the least time on this week.
0: Yeah, sometimes we don't realize it.
1: We are Carol and David. We are having a great discussion with Dr. Lori Mintz and now it's time for our favorite part of the show where we get to talk about great sex because...
0: Well, great sex matters and we all deserve it. Now it's time to get a little personal with Dr. Lori and find out if she practices what she preaches. (laughs) I love
1: this part of the show. So
0: Dr. Lori, tell us a little bit about the history of your sex life from when you were younger and how it has changed over the years.
2: Absolutely. I'm happy to, and I I absolutely practice what I preach, um, (laughs) as does (laughs) my husband. Let me say that I've been married for 34 years. um, Congratulations. And... Thank you. Unlike you all, um, and this is um, I really endorse people doing whatever works for them. I'm not a swinger. I'm my husband, and I have been monogamous all those years, which means that we had to find other ways to spice things up with just the two of us. But let me let me back up a bit and say in the early stages, like most couples, we really could not keep our hands off of each other. I mean, it was just an amazing sexual connection. And then, you know, we got older. We had two kids. Um, She's fine now, but one of them had a chronic illness. One had a sleep disorder. Um, We both had very stressful jobs. And we really, my sex drive went like tanked out. Like I just never felt horny um, at all. Um, But I also knew how important sex was to Um, a relationship to physical and emotional health. So I started trying to read everything I could. I could do that as a psychologist of how to get my sex drive back. And there wasn't really anything then in the literature that really spoke to me but I started putting pieces together and put my own little program together and then would share it with my friends, and that is how I wrote A Tired Woman's Guide to Passionate Sex, which subsequently, side note, I'm a scientist too, so we've done some studies of the book, and yes, people who read it do start having better sex, start having more desire, but what I discovered from that is that it's actually normative for women who are tired, stressed out, in long-term relationships without the excitement of a new partner or swinging to lose their horniness. And so what do you got to do to get it back? You know, spice things up, try new toys, try vibrators, watch erotica, and carve out time, have a tryst. So as we were raising our kids, I already told you, Sunday school, all that, um, we did that. And um, then, you know, our kids are old adults. They're, you know, they're older now. They're both out of the house. They both have their own partners. Um, They're in their late 20s, early 30s. And then we had this empty nester period where we could kind of be back to being youthful again. But in terms of um, my second book, Becoming Clitorate, I will say, yes, my husband is very aware of the clitoris. He's one of the most clearet men I've ever met. Our whole group of friends is like that. When we go out, we are often talking about our favorite vibrators and joking about them and that kind of thing. And so our sexual routine definitely gives equal importance to my orgasm through clitoral stimulation as to his through penetration
1: wow that sounds great can we can we come out for dinner with you and your friends we'll have a great discussion
0: (laughs) sounds like a fun time that's for sure so tell us
2: a little bit about the type
0: of stimulation that you
1: need for you to have your orgasm and is it different from when you were younger
2: okay um, I think it is different than I'm from when I was younger. I've been through menopause. I, I think it's the same type of stimulation. I just need it much more intensely. Um, and also when I was younger, I, you know, hands were the thing that got me off. I mean, I'm like, I'm pretty unusual. I'm not a big fan of oral sex, but I love manual stimulation and I love vibrator stimulation. And, um, so, you know, we... We focus on that, um, sometimes with him doing that for me. Sometimes I'll take matters into my own hands and use a vibrator on myself while we're having intercourse or after. Um, usually, it's to be honest, it's before, during, and after. <laughs> That's nice. So I'll often have an oh, yeah orgasm before intercourse and um, another one after.
0: Well, as women, we can have lots and lots of orgasms, that's
1: for sure. Carol's like that too, especially when we're fucking doggy style. You like putting the little vibrator on your clit and you get the um, penetrative sensation and the pounding from behind your biggest problem is like holding yourself up with one hand (laughs) (laughs) it's all good we make it work don't worry we We know how to do it (laughs) but but for me i I, one of i'm a very visual person when we have sex and i love when you're on your back and your your legs are open and my cock is in your pussy and then you take your fingers or a vibrator and you play with your Mm clip while i'm fucking you and it gets me even more turned on and stimulated yeah
0: absolutely and and of course it keeps me lubricated at Yes, we use lube, but when you have your own natural lubrication and lube together, it's even better.
2: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: And when you were doing the research for your book, was there a special favorite piece of knowledge that you learned about? I love learning new things, and I always want to hear about what other people learn. After so many years of teaching, did you learn some new things when you were researching for your book?
2: Oh, absolutely. I found out, I mean, I have like so many new things that just blew my mind when I was um, when I was researching my book, both techniques and sort of scientific studies and also even new information on women's genital anatomy. I, I learned, I mean, I think I learned so much from writing the book myself.
0: And so while I was reading the book on the beach last week, I was relating some of the information to David and... Um, I was telling him about the clitoris and some of the things that you put in your book, I was learning about the clitoris as well. But then David had the question, like, do other animals have clitorises? And I said, boy, I don't know. It didn't quite come up. And then you talked about a study on a rabbit clitoris. And I said, yep, rabbits
2: have clitorises. (laughs) I learned something new. Yay. Yes. And there's something that's come out since I've published my book, if I would have, the study didn't come out while I was writing it that I'd love to share with you because, it answers that question. It's just so fascinating. Um, and that is that some animals have clitorises inside their vagina wow. um, and that they orgasm through penetration, and that's what triggers ovulation. And so, all these debates about um, the evolutionary function of female orgasm in the clitoris, there's some scientists that are saying, aha. The clitoris used to be inside the vagina, and just like some of these other mammals, when we had intercourse, we would orgasm, and the orgasm would stimulate ovulation. But then when we started living in groups and screwing around a lot, (laughs) it was no longer functional to ovulate that way. So the clitoris migrated outside the vagina so as not to mix the signals up, and our ovulation started being cyclical. Um, so, yes, um, and um, the dolphins are the lucky ones um, that some say, although I don't like it that statement because it again says there's a right way, but dolphins are an animal that have, from my understanding, and this is all very new, so um clitoris is inside their vagina, wow. and even our clitoris it it, it it you know the bulbs surround the vagina, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, but I'm talking about the glands being mm-hmm. inside the, the
0: and even vagina. even when you talk about those women who do have orgasms during penetration, the fact is the penis is stimulating the glands of the in the bulbs and the legs of the uh, the clitoris during or uh, intercourse. Is that correct?
2: That is correct. And in fact, what people call the G spot isn't a spot at all. It's a it's actually a complex of several organs, including the clitoris,
0: mm-hmm. Absolutely. the
2: clitoral um, legs and bulbs.
0: And so it's really more of an area that's very sensitive to touch and stimulation that causes orgasms.
2: Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Wow. So I guess but that- I also encourage women, Don't you don't need to go finding, some people say the whole G-spot has set us back to a Freudian era where like women are looking for this magic spot inside their vagina i mean for some women who like it some women don't and that's really my message is that however you get off is the right way to get off and for most of us it's some type of clitoral stimulation
1: and it's the same thing when it comes to squirting all women should be able to squirt but you know it starts in your head you need the right pressure you need the right stimulation and it's not that you have to you don't have to it's it just is, if it is, and
0: if you like it, great. If not, it's not. You're not broken if you don't squirt. These right. days, it's in, it's in the news, and a lot of women, especially swingers, say, "Oh, I don't squirt. Oh, like it's a bad thing." But really, it's not. Everybody. Exactly. Has to know. Mm-hmm.
2: And and there's even some. I want to even take this a step further. There's even some research that women who are not natural squirters and try to make themselves can harm their pelvic floor for sure. yeah, muscles. For sure. yeah. It's really accept, accept what your body is and does. And some women squirt, some don't. Um, there's some evidence that most women squirt, but some do it backwards, <laughs> okay. um, retrograde into oh, yeah. their. Into their um, bladder versus out, because right. the squirting comes from your urethra, not your vagina. Yeah. So I really like that message. Don't, it's, don't try to do something that doesn't work for your body. Figure out what your body does and let it do it.
0: Absolutely. Now, I guess it comes. We're down to the last part of our really? show. Really, we're done already. I know. Oh Where we're going to ask God. you for some final advice. We'll have to that have Lori back on our show for sure. We will. We're just going to ask you for some final advice that you can leave with our listeners. Um, and here would be if you could offer men one tip for giving their partners the best night of sex of their lives. What would it be?
2: Ask her what she likes, mm. and do that. And tell her it's important to you. say, it's really important to me that you have as much pleasure as I have. Can you please tell me now, before we start having a sexual encounter, during the sexual encounter, please, please show me, tell me what feels good for you.
0: Wow. That is amazing. That
1: is absolutely great advice. What a great way to end an amazing show, Dr. Lori Mintz. Thank you so much for being here. Um, you're Um, knowledge intelligence books everything is going to be absolutely uh, mind-blowing for all our listeners and we reserve the right to have you back and talk about your first book but uh, why don't you take a minute and tell everybody how they can find you online social media your website and where they can buy your books
2: Wonderful, thank you. And I've enjoyed being on and would love to be on again. You can find me at www.drlaurieminz.com. And that has links to all my social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest, all under the same name. Dr. Lori Mintz, and you can find both of my books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Indie Bookstore. Um, My latest book is in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook. So wherever books are sold, you can find me.
0: Well, that's awesome. And of course, if you missed any of that information, you can just go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, where every one of our guests has their own guest page with all their information. You can even contact them from there if you have any questions about their work.
1: Exactly. And as we did today, we're learning more and more every week from all our expert guests. We hope you do too. You know, if you have any questions at all, you can always send us an email at ask at carolyndavid.com. Alrighty. Wow. That was another great show with another great guest. Dr. Lori Mintz, thank you so much for being here. And a special thanks to all our listeners for being here week in and week out.
0: So join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, sexual health and pleasure, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny.
1: Well, that's it for our show today. Carol and I send you lots of love and great sex. Please stay safe. And of course, stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thanks for joining us for this week's edition of the Topless Travel Show. We sure hope you enjoyed it as
0: much as we did. We've got another episode of the Sexy Lifestyle Podcast lined up for you for next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Network. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new. Spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever.